You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. We are short on time. That's just the way that the world works. And I have a hard time with that. I struggle with that every single day. There is just not enough time for all the things that I want to do. And you know what? That is a gift of God. Time is a limit that allows us to remember who we are and who he is. Good news is that he knows no time. He was and is and is to come. He is omnipresent and omnipotent, all-powerful. We, however, are bound, are limited by 24 hours of the day, even on daylight savings time. (laughs) And we can only do so much every day. That is why what we do, where we invest, what we sow here on earth matters. And the Oaks Project is an opportunity. It's 40 days that we get to discern as individual families, like Paul said, in peace and relaxing. No one's looking over your shoulder. There's no have to here. There's an opportunity. And I believe that the opportunity is to increase our faith in God, to put a number down at the end of 40 days, a financial number that we will have to commit to in two years, just like we have our car payments and our mortgage payments and our Netflix payments and Disney Plus payments and other monthly payments, we will commit to the Lord, whatever it is, so that we can sow seeds into the next generation and so that our community can have a place to enjoy where we can have gospel Conversations. That's what the Oaks Project is about. And we cannot sow, we cannot invest, we cannot give correctly if we have not first received. And that's the question that we finished with last week. What is God growing in my life? We looked at Isaiah 61, written in 700 BC, and we looked at these five uh, or four things that God grows in us when we receive Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus, we are saying yes to good news, to the poor, poor in spirit, which also means in, in, in need of something more. We say yes to healing in our brokenness. We say yes to his binding of our wounds and his wholeness in our brokenness. We say yes to freedom, freedom from sin, and we say yes to comfort, joy, and praise, to grieving. We cannot give anything back to God if we haven't first received these promises of him. And so once we receive, now the question is, okay, we are called out of the overflow of his goodness to give back, to sow. So my question for you this morning is, where are you sowing in this season? Where where am I sowing? There are different things that we invest. We invest Again, financially, but we invest financially to take care of our families. We invest financially to take care of our community, and we're also called to invest in our church. See, we are a non-denominational independent church. If this group of people does not give, we do not exist. That's the reality of it. Again, it's amazing to my family members who don't believe in Jesus, who are not Christians. When I tell them our operation, they're like, what, what, what is the catch? 
Isn't it awesome? There is no catch. It's by faith in Jesus that we get to build this beautiful place. We get to build this family of believers. We get to advance the kingdom of God here on earth until Jesus comes back. And where we sow is really important. There are three God-given institutions from the beginning in Genesis that we see throughout all the storyline of scripture. Here are the three. The first is the family. The family was God's idea. Genesis 2 is the beginning of the family. For this, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That is Genesis 2. I believe it's uh, 24. And uh, then Jesus reiterates that in Mark 9, saying, what God has brought together, meaning a husband and a wife, let no man separate. We live in a time where the world is trying to separate the family of God. We're going to double down on that. We're going to invest in healthy, building healthy and strong families at Cypress Creek Church because they matter. The second one is the church. The people of God started with Abraham and his family. We see all the crisis that is going on right now that's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. That has been reality forever. The conflict in Israel right now, the crazy rise of anti-Semitism. There is nothing new under the sun. People, us humans, we have hated God. And as a result, it makes sense that the world would hate God's people. And, and so we are the people of God now through the ultimate Jewish man, Jesus of Nazareth, who now not only brought salvation to the Jews, but to everybody. And so we are the church. The church, the people of God, his now uh, creation, his group of royal priests, his holy nation. We now, the church, are the people of God. And the third institution is the government. It's the place that we pay taxes to. It's our community. We have the family, we have the church, and we have the community. We find all these three things in Jeremiah 29. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11. It's very famous if you've been around church. For I, know I have the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you read these verses, you see prosperity. You see health and you see wealth. Here is where it breaks down. Here's where the prosperity gospel breaks down. It's in the context of what, where that verse is saying. Jeremiah is declaring this to the people of God when they're coming under the most duress and uh, uh, chaotic seasons of their history. They are in exile. They, they've been enslaved. They've been sent away from their homes. The verse that we're looking at, the Oaks Project, Isaiah 61.3, was said in 700 BC, 123 years later. They're living this. Jeremiah is speaking to the exiled believers, and he's saying this. They're in captivity, and you would think, it's like, okay, hold on to everything that you have. Don't sow in anything, just wait. And there were prophets at the time, in Jeremiah's time, that were saying, hey, God is good. He's gonna, he's gonna send you help here real soon. And Jeremiah's like, no, you're gonna be there for 70 years. And so, in the meantime, in your time of exile, here is what God commands the Israelites to do. In Jeremiah 29, verse four, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives, he is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. 
Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. What what God is speaking through Jeremiah is this. Time is short, and so where you sow matters. Invest in family. Have children. Uh, bless your, them so that they can have great-grandchildren. Don't decrease, increase. And then he says, hey, where's the community or where's the church, you may add? He's not speaking to one last name. He's speaking to the name of Israel. He's speaking to the people of God. He's saying, hey, you as a collective group, take care of one another. Plant gardens and make sure that you have what you Need And then thirdly, seek the welfare and prosperity of the city, of the very same people that hate you and that want you gone, that have enslaved you, that, have, that, that you're in captivity under. Love them and pray so that they can prosper. My friends, we are also exiles. First Peter tells us that, that we are exiles as the people of God here on earth. As much as I want to align with that flag because I was born there or that flag where I live and I love where I live, I am first a citizen of heaven. And because I'm a citizen of heaven, I'm an exile here on earth until he sends me home. Where we sow in our time here matters so much. It is November, so it's time to get the Christmas decorations out. Bought these at Hobby Lobby, 50% off, by the way, 50% off. Here's where the problem comes in. You have, let's say, this is uh, the church, the church community. Okay, I need to invest in the church. I need, okay, five million dollars. Welcome to 2023 in Texas. Unreal. I was the first one to, when I heard that number. That's the church. Okay, this is our community. Election day is Tuesday, by the way, so go and vote. It's important for us to vote. Go and vote on Tuesday if you haven't voted early voting. This is our community. We're called to vote. We're called to be good citizens. We're called to love our neighbors. And here, right here, is the family. Each of us have one. If you're single, you have parents, and you have this amazing family of believers. So imagine if you just were to take care of the church. Okay, I'll serve every single Sunday. I'll go to community group. Easy. I got this. You can even do it with your, maybe not, eyes closed. All right, then you add another one. Okay, so I, I, got, I got the community and I got the, uh, uh, um, what is this one? This one I said was uh, the, the, the church and the community. So, all right, so now I got two. I got two. Well, these two are the lowest on the totem pole of priorities because the reality is if you drop one, it'll either not break or bounce back or, here we go, Kevin. Somebody can take the burden of church. Somebody else can take the burden of community. Okay, I'll have that one back. Thank you. Good throw. <laughs> the family is the top one. And what happens is that we're, where do I sow? Where do I sow? Do I sow in family? Do I sow in church? Do I sow in community? Do I go there? And uh, the thing is, you can juggle for a little bit, if you've practiced. And uh, then after a while, what happens is family... I was supposed to break. Let's try it. Let's try it again. <laughs> Family, there it is. We drop family and we're the only ones that can take care of our family. Dads, you're the only dads that your children have. That's, that's a one-man 
job, husband. You're the only husband to your wife. We can't drop family. Next week, we're going to focus on family. The week after that, we're going to focus on church because that's the second in priority. And then the third is we're going to focus on our community. What does that mean for us as believers to sow into these areas, to invest our time, to invest our energy, and yes, to invest our money. We juggle these things all the time. And what I hope that you get out of the Oaks Project, more than compelling and motivating you so that we can have this amazing park and multi-purpose building that will bless future generations in our community, what I would hope for our church families to have our priorities in order, that would be a bigger win. If we had hundreds of people first loving God, then being good uh, parents and husbands and wives, and then being good followers of Jesus in our community, and then ultimately good citizens here in this great country that we get to live, my goodness, watch out world, the kingdom of God will advance explosively. Now I have three minutes, Pastor David. Ahora me tocan, solamente tengo tres minutos. I'm going to take a little bit more because this, this is really important. Galatians 5 talks all about freedom. Uh, the, the book of Galatians, Paul is dealing with a lot of people that are trying to ensnare these new believers, these new Christians. They're not Jewish, they're Gentiles. And then there's this Jewish group that's saying, hey, in order for you to be a Christian, you have to do all of these things. It's like maybe you've been to church and you're like, in order for you to be a good Christian, you need to give. No, no, no. You don't need to do anything to be a good Christian besides receiving the free gift of grace. Thanks to what Jesus Christ did for you and me. That's it. Surrender our lives to Jesus is the only thing that he requires of us. So what, he, what, what Paul tells this church in Galatians is, hey, uh, make sure that you are balancing this tension between personal responsibility and mutual accountability. Meaning there are some things that only you can do, like family. There's some things that only you can handle. That's personal responsibility. And then the other is there's other things that, that other, where we're called to share the load. We're called to do this church experiment together. It's not a solo sport. It's team work. And sometimes I struggle. What is mine to own? When do I show up to somebody else sacrificing time with my family, with my personal responsibility, and when is not? Well, God gives us the best counselor, comforter, and convictor, his Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul writes in Galatians 5. He says, there are fruit of the spirits that come alive in you when you dwell in Jesus. Those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things, there, there, there is no law. You can't do wrong when you are cultivating those fruits. See, when you sow fruit of the Spirit seeds, what do you get? What do you harvest? Those fruit of the Spirit. Those amazing qualities that are like Jesus. And then, this is the first one. We're going to go through these fast. And I encourage you to as uh, you go home, think about them and allow God to show you, okay, what's my personal responsibility here? What's mutual accountability? What's mine? What's uh, ours? In uh, 524, Galatians 524, this is the first 
personal responsibility. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom. Oh, nope, I went back. Yeah, so of, of one another. So what is the first one? It's, it's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to live in the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to follow Jesus. Our walk is our responsibility to surrender our lives, no matter what everybody else is doing around us. It is our personal responsibility to follow Jesus. And then we're going to ping pong here. It's my responsibility, our, our, our mutual accountability. It's back and forth, back and forth. Paul does a, a lot of this, okay? So bear with me. We're going to jump here and jump there. Here is the first, okay, what's, what's our mutual accountability? What, 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 what do we need to do together? Well, in verse uh, 20, in, in verse one of six, so moving on. Dear brothers and sisters, if any, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So it's our responsibility to help each other get back on the right track when we fall short, when we're overcome by sin. Does it say force? Does it say guilt? Does it say gossip about? Nope. It says humbly and gently help this person get back on the right path. For many of you, that's your grown adult children. For some of you, those are your parents or extended family members or neighbors who used to follow Jesus and now have wandered away. It is not our responsibility to, 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 to make the decision to follow Jesus, but it is our opportunity to help them get back on the right track. How does it do that? By thumping a Bible over their head? No, by being humble and gentle. See, many times we confuse meekness with weakness. And when we approach somebody gently and say, hey, I'm concerned because I see these things in your life. Hey, what's really going on? That's meekness. It's gentleness. Meekness is defined by this, by Baker's Theological Dictionary. The patient and hopeful endurance of undesirable circumstances identifies the person as externally vulnerable and weak, but inwardly resilient and strong. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness where they persevere without giving up. So, we help others get back on track. Okay, now go back to the mind. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. This is my responsibility to take, for, to take care of my own soul. This happens often when we first come to know Jesus and we find ourselves in old company. And we're like, oh, I want to help those people get back on the right track. But I'm also trying to get on the right track. And we have to be discerning according to what the Spirit is calling us to do to be set apart and, and to not put ourselves in places and with people that will tempt us to go that direction. Okay, now going back to ours, it says, carry, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. This means mourning with those who mourn, going to funerals and showing up when people need it most, sharing of a meal, 
calling or texting and saying, hey, I know this is difficult. I just want you to know that I'm here. Not giving answers, just being present. It says in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What did Jesus say? Love God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now back to mine. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> not great. Isn't Paul great? What does this mean? We need to foster self-awareness. We need to understand that this world does not revolve around us, even though we think it does sometimes, especially on social media. It's not about us. We get to be a small part of a greater whole. It's much better to be a small fish in a big pond, in my opinion, than a big fish in a small pond. It's better to be a part of something that is much greater than ourselves. And he's saying, hey, focus on who you really are. Remember God's grace in your life. That's how we stay humble. We remember who he is and what he's done for us and who we are. We are great because we're made in his image, not because of anything that we have done men. Men's Encounter is coming up, and I can't encourage you enough. If you haven't gone to Men's Encounter, it's an amazing time to look at the cross and recognize, have self-awareness of the things that are holding us back from the men that he wants us to be December 1st through 3rd. I'll see you there. Here's another mine, double mine here, double ping pong on one side. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. This one is huge. We can only control what happens behind our finger, our words and our actions. We can't control what other people do, but we can't control our own conduct. We can't, con we can't control the temptation. We can't control all, all of our thoughts, but we can't control our tongue and we can control how we act. So that's on our responsibility side. And then this one's interesting. Back to the, to the hours. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Oh, it's talking about the teachers of the church. Here is where I'm gonna go with this. And I'm so convicted this week. I, get, I love what I get to do. As a church, we are about making disciples of Jesus Christ, obeying all to, uh, 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 or teaching them to obey all that I have commanded to you to the ends of the earth. We as a church are in the discipleship business. But here's what I heard from this. I'm not that important. <laughs> it's not all about me. I'm not the only one doing it. What he's talking about is, hey, give back to the church. Get in the game. Teach yourself. Go to a community group. Serve. Allow God to cultivate and animate your gifts so that you can be a part of this great work. Don't let it be about one person up here doing the work and then everybody else receiving. Verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the, God, the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Another translation says, you always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Here's what's mine. I, I have the opportunity and the responsibility to sow spiritual seeds. Whatever I put in, it'll come back. First Corinthians says that if you sow sparingly, you will reap 
sparingly. It's not in our time and it's not for prosperity. We don't get to decide how it comes back to us. Hello? But when we give it, we say, Lord, I trust you with it. And he's a good God who loves you. So he's going to bring back blessing in amazing ways and last. So, man, it's a lot. Let's not grow tired of doing what is good. Just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. So there you go. You have the family, you have the church, and you have the community. Do good to everybody. That's the community, especially those in the family of faith. That's the church. And then the family is implicit here. We get to spur others on toward love and good works. Pastor David read from Hebrews 12. Here's how I want to close. Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, not y'all because we're here, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is the day of Jesus coming back. When he will bring heaven back to earth, it's going to be good. In the meantime, he's allowing us to participate with his spirit as he advances his kingdom here on earth. And this is what this is about. Are we sowing in things that mm, maybe matter, maybe not? Or are we sowing in eternal things? Things that we can't see yet, but we believe in our hearts. Our grandchildren leading a great revival. Our great-grandchildren being sent to be missionaries all over the world. That's where I want my faith to be. And we got to continue to go from here to there as we do that. Rhonda is going to come up. She's going to close us in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. That's how we're going to close this morning. And as she comes up, I want to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, because if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. The words of Jesus saying, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. If you feel like that, this verse is for you this morning and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Jose, for that wonderful message. A uh, couple quick reminders, and I'm going to close us in prayer. Um, if you did not receive the prayer guide or the packet last week, we have them stacked up by the, back there, so be sure and grab one on the way out. Also, um, we have uh, created a kind of a prayer walk um, possibility for you out in the new area where uh, the addition is going to be. And so there are like six stations that have the prayer guide on them as you walk through. So I encourage you just sometimes, uh, maybe more than once, just when you get a chance with your family or whatever, to just go out there and walk through that and pray through it. And I know you'll be blessed uh, to walk that land. And so we're going to pray from uh, point one, which is uh, gratitude for our salvation. And so, Father, as we close, 
And we thank you for this message today. And we acknowledge that the foundation of it, that all of these good things first began with our, our yes to you. And our yes to you, Lord, was a work of you and not us. You drew us. You called us. And Father, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't said yes yet, I pray that they wouldn't leave here today without saying yes to you and beginning that journey. For you are good and you are for us. And Lord, uh, your salvation uh, is everything. You gave us eternal life and it begins, the, the eternity begins the moment we say yes to you that we step into the fullness of what you have for us. So we thank you. We love you, Lord. And we ask you to help us to be mindful of that as we go about our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.